0: You guys, some were here for the, the first message this morning, so, um, some that aren't. Praise, thank the Lord. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's funny the way the Lord works. Um, that one, first of all, I, I always feel like I have to mention this. I did not call myself to preach, I tried the, to talk the Lord out of it for so long, so long. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that I'm called um, to preach and to to travel and whatever. I got plans, Lord. I got big plans. Man, I don't want you getting in the way of all that. And um, he did. He completely got in the way of every bit of it and changed changed what, what I had to what he had. But... Um, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. Some, maybe some of you don't know me. I know the church has grown since the last time I spoke. But um, me and my wife travel and do missions. And I actually met her in the mission field. Those of you um, those of you that know me know this story to exhaustion. So I'm sorry. But some that maybe don't. Um, my first mission trip was maybe 11, 12 years ago. And it was to Costa Rica. And I went just as um, I would lead worship or attempt to. And the Lord had given me a heart for evangelism at that time. And I went with a brother that's not here this morning, but his name is Brother Emmett. Also, I will mention Brother Jerry Brown. Um, Today is his birthday. And he's 86 years old. And along with my own father and Brother Emmett and Brother Jerry... Um, if you guys know those three you should feel so sorry for me because I was a young man and I was around all these all these old guys and if you have a relationship with me like I feel like I'm yelling right now I yell all the time because the, these suckers can't hear anything so every time I'm just talking, Indy for years Indy is my wife, Andy will you stand up and wave thank you Andy, for years you're yelling. You're yelling. I'm talking. I'm talking. This is me talking right now. Um, That's these guys' fault. But brother Jerry, as a man of God, that for faithfully years at the truck stop ministry in Oklahoma City, would see we saw big moves of God in that little place, brother Jerry. We we would they would see hundreds of truckers every single year. Come to know the Lord. And faithfully, he would show up. And faithfully, he would spread the gospel. And faithfully, he would see moves of God. And I remember, um, you wouldn't think that... I, you know what hindsight is twenty twenty. As a young man, I would go... And I'm not going to lie, Brother Jerry. There's a lot of Sunday mornings. As a teenager, I didn't want to get up and go to the truck stop, okay? I wanted to sleep in. But I went, and Brother Jerry would ask me sometimes to preach. And looking back, I was nervous as can be. And there may be five, six people in there. And looking back, the Lord used Brother Jerry to allow me to start getting my feet wet in preaching and, and going through things. There would be things happen at that truck stop as of the mission field. As of the mission field. As in there would be people on the ground Crying out to the Lord. Receiving the Lord. Amazing moves of God over there. So, Brother Jerry, I love you. And I thank you for your servant for service for the Lord. That is no small thing. Um, so, today, this the last message that the Lord had had gave me and allowed me to speak was on faith and the shield of faith. And he kind of built that one for a long time. Long time he was working on me with that. This one... Two days ago, he kind of poured on me. Um, but it, this, when I, when I think about this this study, it's it's very profound. And, and I don't people try to get wrap their mind around what we do as as ministers, as as people that travel. And essentially, people ask me to teach. People ask me to preach. People ask me to pray. I probably pray with more people than I've ever ever preached to. And what, essentially what you do is what you're called to do. So this teaching may look a lot like a preaching. It may not look much different from what happened earlier. But essentially it's the word of God being spoken today. And what is so amazing about this word in the book of Genesis, um, I think it will come more toward the end of um, when I'm teaching, but is the profoundness of the word of God. In just the book of Genesis, the profoundness of the work the Word of God, as in this this book that you guys have in front of you, holds a weight it holds a weight that is different than every other thing in this world, not just anything but everything. This book has a weight in the word as I start reading, I may stop in the in the midst of something. And mention a couple things because it is profound. But um, so, so first, we'll go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter fifteen. This is the verse one is called the Abrahamic Covenant. Genesis chapter 15, I'll start at verse 1. There's going to be quite a bit of reading in this section of the the teaching, but it's all going to tie together. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. If you guys were here for the first message, you will remember that verse because I mentioned it. God spoke to Abram and said, Don't be afraid of what's fixing to happen because it's me. Uh, you have the, you have the, your faith is in me. I am the shield of faith. I am the thing that, that you get to hold on to. It's, it's not about you. It's, it's coming through me. Um, verse 2, But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram continued, Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my name will be my heir. It's good to stop there. A lot of times, so God told Abraham, or Abram, God spoke to Abram at this moment and said, I'm going to give you, and I know this This is so far out for us, uh, but this was not as uh, uncommon in that time. God spoke to Abram and said, I'm going to give you a son, and your offspring is going to come from him. The first thing that Abram said was, you can't do that, Lord. How about my servant Eliezer, right off the bat? And um, he, we know that Abram does a, a similar mistake um, here in a few verses. We'll talk about. But I guess I'm saying that to say, don't do that. <laughs> when the Lord, when the Lord says He's going to do something, that we get ourselves in so much trouble when we're like, okay, that's cool. I don't trust that, so I, but I do have this here. I do have this, this thing over here that we'll just go with this. So much better to let the Lord's timing. Let, let the Lord do his work. Let his timing show through. God is not only working on us. Maybe sometimes you're stuck in a position where you have something from the Lord, and he's working on the people. He's, he's messing with the timing's not right because they're not ready yet. Maybe it's not because you're not ready yet. That very well may be the case. But over here, something else could be happening where he's like, I'm messing with this right now. I'm talking to these people. I'm growing this person that is going to be connected to what my promise says to you. And verse 4 says... Now the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one will not be your heir, as in, don't go down that road. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, Your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So many times we are... Attempting to be a righteous man or woman. And so the Lord said, because Abram believed what God said, God then accredited it to him as righteousness right then. For our desire to be righteousness um, is rooted in our desire to be faithful and have faith in the Lord. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Lord God, how can I know what I will possess? He's saying to Abraham again. He said, I brought, do you remember what I did? I'm not, this isn't some random person telling you that your offspring is, is going to come out of someone, even though you're an old man and your wife is an old woman. This is someone that has already done some things in your life you've forgotten. You've forgotten, Abram. He's proven a point to Abram. It's it's a it's a point that that he he won't forget. He said to him, "This is God speaking to Abram. Bring me three year a three year old cow, a three year old female goat, and a three year old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon." So he brought all these to him split them down the middle and laid the pieces opposite of each other, but he did, not cup in the ber- he did not cut up the birds. Birds of prey came down in the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and suddenly a terror and great darkness descended on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, "'Know this for certain, your offspring will be strangers in the land that does not belong to them. They will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterwards they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a ripe old age.'" And the fourth generation they will return here for for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So God is saying to Abram, this promise is going to be fulfilled. You're going to die at a ripe old age. But no, because God is sovereign, God is all-knowing. He didn't want this 400 years of slavery to throw the father of our faith for a loop and so he told him this is going to happen we're going to, you're going to have a time of slavery it's going to be rough for a while but my promises are perfect what i told you is going to be fulfilled what i told he's he's reassuring him time after time after time after time now we're in verse 17 when the sun had set and it was dark it said that in verse 12 A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates, and the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaim, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Now we'll go... So that was the blood covenant. That was a blood covenant that God made with Abram. Now go forward to chapter 17. That was Genesis chapter 15. This is Genesis chapter 17. So my... um, Highlighted part says the covenant circumcision. You guys is on the top of chapter seventeen. Everyone's Bible says covenant circumcision or the 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 circumcision covenant, something along those lines. It says when Abram was ninety nine years old, the Lord appeared to him, saying, "I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be devout. I will establish my." I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. I feel like Abram has heard that, right? He keeps trying to tell him this. Then Abram fell on the ground, and God spoke with him. As for me, my covenant is with you, and you will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will keep my covenant between me and you, your offspring after you throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you, your offspring after you, I will give the land where you're residing all the land of Canaan as an eternal possession, and I will be their God. God is reassuring these promises. He's adding more to the promises. He's now given Abram a new name, Abraham. He's got a new identity. Now we're in verse nine, Genesis seventeen nine. God then said to Abraham, "This this is when God is is starting to tell him the covenant." This is what your part is going to be. God said to Abraham, As for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generation, every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. Quick pause right there. Um, This is an amazing little verse talking about the profoundness of um, the word of God. It's somewhere along the lines of like 1937. Did we realize that a person's vitamin K level that allows them to blood clot is the best on the eighth day? Jews or The Egyptians didn't know that. The whole world did not know that. That's what most of the 600 plus laws in Leviticus is because we're stupid. We take for granted, this is free, you guys. This is, and I don't see anyone writing these things down. We, we take for granted that we wash our hands. We take for granted that we use the bathroom separate from where we're living. These were not things that we had in mind. This is what God had to tell us. God told us these things in the Word of God long before scientists um, understood why they did it. The Word of God is profound. Uh, Where was I here? Talking about blood clots. Um, On the eighth day to be circumcised... This includes a slave born in your house and one purchased with money from any foreigner. The one who is not your offspring, a slave born in your house, as well as one purchased with money, must be circumcised. My covenant will will be with your flesh as an everlasting covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from, from his people. He has broken my covenant. So what did I, I first read of the blood covenant that God brought to Abraham. Abraham, or Abram at this point in time, brought these animals, three-year-old cow, three-year-old ram, birds, multiple things, cut them in half and dug a trench in between them and had both halves on both sides and the blood flowed into that. It didn't seem like a lot happened there with Abraham, right? Because he was sleeping. So on to the next thing is the circumcision covenant. This is where God says, "I'm going to." The the reoccurring theme here is the same promise, but because we're now moving forward in it, as in you're go you you haven't quite got it yet, and I'm going to need you to understand and trust me. You're going to have. You're going to have a hand in this one, buddy. You're not falling asleep with this one. You're going to be circumcised. And everyone in your household, every slave that you own, every servant that you and your wife owns that is male, will be circumcised. And from here on out, they will be. On the eighth day, you're going to circumcise them. Now let's turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. Joshua, chapter 5. We'll say, I'll start in verse 1. Joshua chapter 5 verse 1. When all the Amorite kings across the Jordan to the west and all the Canaanite kings near the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, they lost heart and their courage failed because of the Israelites. Now this is verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at Gibeah word. This is the reason Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, listen to this part, all the men of war had died in the wilderness. Along the way, after they had come out of Egypt... Though all the people who come were circumcised, none of the people born in the wilderness along the way were circumcised after they had come out of Egypt. So Moses, Joshua, Caleb, the spies that I spoke of earlier, all these people had spent 40 years in the desert. There were people alive from Egypt. They ended up in the desert. They had been circumcised. But since they were then 40 years in the wilderness... 40 years of men being born. These men could be 40 years old. These men could be 10 years old. These men could be 20 years old. All these men were not circumcised because they were in the wilderness. And God was like, we're going to fix that today for a reason. For the Israelites wandered for, for 40 years until the nation's men of war who came out of Egypt had died off because they did not obey the Lord. So the Lord vowed never to let them see the land he had sworn. It makes me wonder if the people of Israel knew that and they were like, there's one more living here until we go into the promised land. We ourselves can take this old sucker out. I don't know if they talk like that, but I wonder if they thought that. It doesn't say that in Scripture. To their fathers to give us the land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua raised up the sons in their place. It was these he circumcised. They were, all, they were still uncircumcised since they had not been circumcised along the way. After the entire nation had been circumcised, they stayed where they were in the camp until they recovered. The Lord then said to Joshua, Today I rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Now we're going to go to one more verse. I'm trying to decide. Uh, let's do Second Samuel 24. I know it's i have um i have a reverence for the the pulpit and the place of a minister but it it is funny reading circumcision that many times in one verse it's just over and over and and over again but God's getting to something here second samuel twenty four we'll go to verse eighteen says, David's altar. This is all going to tie together. Um, Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up and set an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. David went up in obedience to to Gad's command, just as the Lord had commanded. Arona looked down and saw the king and his servant coming toward him. So he went out and bowed to the king with his face to the ground. Arona said, why has my lord, the king, come to his servant? David replied, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, so the plague of the people may be halted. Arona said to David, My lord, the king, may take whatever he wants. He, he says, You're king. He said, You come in here. It, it's an honor for you to come in here and, and want something of mine. So don't offer me money. I'm going to give it to you. Um, here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the oxen yokes for the wood. My king, Arona, gives everything here to the king. Then he said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king answered Arona, No. I insist on buying it from you for a price. For I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David bought the threshing floor and the auction for 20 ounces of silver. He built an altar to the Lord there and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer on behalf of the land and the plagues on it on Israel's and the plagues on Israel ended. Um, let's see here. Indy, will you just stand up and pray for me really quickly? Father, we thank you for your yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Teach everyone according to their need, Father God, to fulfill that need that they have in the Word, Father, and that whatever you are going to accomplish, Lord, let it be that to edge forward, Father. God. Yes, Lord. It is powerful, discerning. I pray, Father God, that absolutely everybody in this place will receive something. Yes. And that your word, Father, will not hold the ground, but it will stand. Yes. And it will not pass away, Father God. Heaven and earth will pass. That's right. That's right. Amen. Thank you, babe. So the beginning of Genesis chapter 15, God speaks to Abram. The same, He keeps trying to reaffirm these things, as we said. And he says to him, I have a job for you. You need to go get these animals, bring them back, cut them in half, and allow the blood to flow into this trench. I'm going to speak more on this kind of at the end. But long story short, Abraham Abram at that point in time um, dropped the ball on the whole deal. He fell asleep, and so God does it in Genesis chapter 17. That that covenant still was done. That covenant was still finished. But God takes him to Genesis chapter 17, and He says, "I've done all these things to you. I've promised you many, many things." And I've come through every single time. And he says, but I want something out of you. And it says that he changed Abram's name to Abraham. So immediately he gets an identity change. He says, people know you as this man and all the things attached to these, which at this point in time were not all good things. He had, he had messed up. He had one said thing, said, saying to the Lord as in, I'll just use Eleazar. The other thing is he had messed up and had Ishmael with Hagar. And he said, that's your old identity. This is a new one. But there's going to be something that it costs you. And it says that you, I'm gonna, you're going to circumcise yourself. And everyone in your camp, every young boy in your camp, I think, I think Abraham at this point was 99 years old. Then I took you to Joshua chapter 5. And in the book of Joshua, uh, this is such a, such a, especially the beginning, is, is an invigorating book of victory, when, what God does through Joshua. And it shows, right when I started reading that chapter, they had just crossed the river. And they had had many, many other victories. These men that, that were in the camp had never been circumcised. They had never known, they had never known Egypt. They had never been to Egypt. They were born in the desert. It says, but they still had a repeal. They still had something on them that was stuck on them, whether it be a generational thing from their parents, a mindset coming from just their culture, and God had to get rid of it. And this this is telling us one thing. There's some covenants that we cannot keep with God. Our, our salvation is something that we can accept this covenant and we go into it right but God did the work did he not two thousand years ago on a cross then three days later he rose from the dead God did that work that we could not do but there's a thing this is something that we see I see in the ministry many many times there's I'm, I'm very careful with with someone that that has salvation and desires to go in ministry and immediately starts moving up like a ladder. Like we have these invisible ladders like God cares about what man thinks about us. God cares about what He thinks about us. So we start moving up this invisible ladder except we can have salvation right off the bat and praise God for His grace and the work that He did on the cross. But and an anointing, an identity, and, and many other things, victory in a calling is going to cost you something. It is for sure going to cost you something. You're going to have a dream. You're going to have a thing of this world that held on to you. That So many times when, when, we, when we first started traveling, I did not know how many idols Jesse had. Jesse had all kinds of things that took up time that were that were I would it would be ridiculous if I went into these things with you people but I you have to understand that we have them. We have things that 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 we put in front of God and we we order times in our week and times in our day toward these things and then we say You know, I just don't have the time to pray like I want to. You're a minister, Jesse. I I just don't have the time to to read the Word of God. I get so busy and, and, and this and that. And this is when I say to you, you can have salvation. God paid that price on the cross. And you may struggle your whole life wondering about it because you're not in the Word. But an anointing and a new identity and victory through the name and the blood of Jesus is going to cost you something. It is for sure going to cost you something. And as Joshua and his men cross that river and God, get, like, he's telling Joshua, get out the flint knives, brother, you know, because we're going to circumcise these guys. I have to take a moment here because he said this to Abraham. And think about these servants that work for Abraham and Ishmael, I think, is 13 years old. Even the women. Abram Abraham is 99 years old. He goes away. And he talks to God, he says. And then he comes back and says, I just spoke to God. We're all getting circumcised. Every one of us. You, you, and you, and you, and you. And I'm sure they're thinking, we're not having problems with kids, Abraham. This won't fix your problem with kids, brother. You know what I mean? They're thinking, what in the world? What in the world is going on right now? But it's a a representation of what God does with us. There's many things in our lives that we have to allow God to take out that knife and just start trimming away at us. There's so many things that are in our lives that we put in front of Christ and the calling of Christ and the anointing of Christ and that we don't even recognize it until we then cross a river and understand what Christ did. So, and then I, I read you Second uh, Samuel, and it, this maybe didn't make sense why I even read it, but it's not just about circumcision of the flesh, this is about circumcision of the heart. David, this is, this is at the end of the, I would say, productive reign of King David. This is the end of Second Samuel, you go into the next book, it's First Kings, he then dies, and Solomon gets the throne. And David makes a big mistake. You remember Abraham? This is this, he makes some mistakes. God changes his name, has him has him circumcised, has him make a mark. Joshua. They all ha- they had all these victories. They crossed the river. They think everything is good. God has more victories ahead, so he's like, "I'm going to have to make a mark on you. You're going to have to understand what my covenant means." And the third, and then David is old. He's messed up many, many times. Did David ha- have salvation? Even though Jesus was not yet born, absolutely, he knew Yahweh. He knew Christ, he knew God. He actually in Psalms chapter 21, 22, the Lord allowed him to have a vision of Christ. So he knew him, but he messed up here. It says that he took a census right before this second Samuel um, chapter 24 that I read to you. He took a census wanting to know everyone that's under his reign. He says, I, I, want, I want to know, come back with the number of military personnel I have, the servants I have, the men, the women. I knew. I want to know it all, which doesn't seem like a huge deal, but you have to know this is long B.C., and these things took a while. I think it says it took nine months for him to do this thing. To a point to where even Joab, a, a guy that was the, the leader of his army at that point in time, Was he was a rascal. He he was David at at the end of his life did not trust Joab, and he did all kinds of bad things. I think ended up killing David's son or a friend of David. And David or Joab came to David and he was like, "You can't do this." Even Joab, a, a worldly man, understood. You're, you're going to mess up big time if you follow your own thing trying to glorify yourself and raise up uh, just, just to have everyone know what's under your reign. And then he received the census, got the number, and God gave, more or less gave him three options of I'm going to whoop your bottom. And the Lord did it and took out like 70,000 men. But David understood what then has to happen. In that verse, it says that David took the altar to the threshing floor, and it says that he bought the threshing floor from this guy, and that representation, the the threshing floor is usually a flat place, and usually it's kind of an open area, so wind can blow through, or sometimes they make it. A two-story building. And on the second story, there are nothing but pillars surrounding them. Not, no windows, no walls, just pillars so wind can blow through there. So when they get the wheat, they can then have the wheat on the ground and they take their winnowing shovel and shove it into this wheat and, and fork it up into the air. The grains of the wheat fall and the chaff, because of where it's at, flies out. The things that hang on to that wheat, the good stuff, the thing that God is after, flies out. So what David is saying here is that I'm going to take my place, as in the place that I worship God, the place that I honor God, the place that I have the most reverence for God, and until the day that I die, I am going to worship Him at the threshing floor. As in... I've messed up a lot of my life and I love the Lord. Even the Lord has said He loves me. He's a man after my own heart. But I mess up big time, even, old, even older in age. And He says, until the day that I die, you're going to be running your winnowing fork in me, throwing me up in the air, and the chaff is going to be yanked off of me day after day after day. You're always going to have your circumcision knife. You're always going to be taking things off because you always have a plan, not for me, but to glorify. Glorify yourself through me. And there's things in me that are, that are fleshly that you have to continue to take away. That's what David understood. That's what Joshua understood. That's what Abraham understood. Is that the first covenant of our salvation, we understand that only, only God did that. Only He did that. But there's, a, there's things in our lives, we wonder why we're stuck in a situation. We're wonder, we wonder why we're stuck in a place and God won't move. And God's been trying to, to glean things off of you for years. God's been trying to say, I have this and it's going to be painful, but I promise you, after it's done, you're going to sit and heal like in Joshua 5. I'm going to pour my grace out on you and you are going to have victory after that. I'm not talking about the victory that Olstein talks about. I'm talking about the Spirit of God overflowing into a person. I would much rather have that. I would much rather have the joy of the Lord and walk in anointing knowing that I am being the light of God in every place that I'm at because I allowed Him to cut off those things of my flesh. We don't even recognize them. I did not even recognize them. Let me tell you, I've been trying not to tell you this story. I tried so hard not to tell you this stinking story. I can't help but tell you this stupid story, you guys. So, um, there are levels of being a redneck, okay? (laughs) There is an uncomfortable level of being a redneck to where it's embarrassing. And most of the time, these guys don't even know it. I'm telling you by experience, guys. Um, When I first got into missions... Noodling, does everyone know what noodling is? You swim down, you grab a catfish, blah, blah, blah. That's it. That's it. You're like, that, how in the world could that be a problem? It was. For months, we, we would travel all over and swim down, and we thought we were awesome, and we'd grab big catfish and pull them up and take pictures, yada, 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 eat them, whatever. This is a testimony now. And. <laughs> Um, I did not know that that was an idol. Nor did I think that could be. Some of you guys are thinking this guy's weird. I got to leave. You're probably right. You're probably right. But I remember when it came ta- when it came time to go to the mission field, and that first popped into my mind that I was like I was fixing to make a decision according to that. I realized then that's an idol. And I shut it down immediately. I shut it down immediately. Because I understood when David says in this scripture, I am, I, this is where I will do burnt offerings. A burnt offering, there's a sin offering. Then there's a burnt offering. A burnt offering is the fat of whatever animal you, ha- you have. is draped over the fire. That is something that competes with your relationship with God. That's what that represents. A burnt offering is that. Why we don't see victories is because, one, we don't recognize the things in our life that compete with the presence of God, that compete with the calling of God. Two, um, this is a hard pill to swallow, a bitter pill to swallow, but we don't want to go under the knife. Uh, a A lot of us know what we have to do. It's amazing what a man or woman can do when they know what they have to do and then do it. Like they know God called me to get rid of this. And I have seen this in my circle, by the way. I have seen, I have seen God completely glean things of young men and men and women that were idols and they left them behind and they could care less about them now. And they are now moving forward in a calling because of it. So some of you are thinking that today. A little bit of a convicting word, but it's completely true. Allow God to take you under that knife. Don't stray away from it because God is graceful. That's the whole point that David, he had three options to pick what? Uh, sorry, I have a lot of scripture today in my mind, so I can't remember every single number. But God gave David three options, and one was to allow these people to have to, the fam, famine to be for them for so long, for, these, for another country to wreck them for so long, or for God to have them for three days. And he said, I'll pick you to do it, because I know that you are graceful. And that is a complete truth. When God is pulling something out of you and he wants to cut those pieces off of you, he's always doing it. It never stops. Till the day you die, like David understood, this gleaning process is never over with. Allow him to do that. Allow him to take you under the knife. Allow him to pour his spirit into you. He will allow you to heal. And honestly, I look back now, on many of those things that, that made me, I mean, uh, I should have been hung in a town square for my first few years of marriage. With I drugged them through all kinds of stuff. I would go to work, get off, and train until nighttime. If it was hunting season, I would get off work. I had a brand new daughter. I would get off work, go hunting until nighttime, go home, take a shower, and go train. And I real uh, with this is a man in ministry. This is a man that, that went and, and spoke the gospel, that preached in places, and I had things in my life at that moment. They can be cleared up. God can glean them from you. Allow him to do so. Now, the can I, I have a, what's that say, ten thirty five almost 40? I have till 1045 in here? Okay. Um, you better not ring that bell. I'm kidding. You can ring the bell. You can ring the bell. Um, the first covenant is Abram cut up the animals this is the one that matters thank the Lord thank the Lord that this happened this is the one that that, that breaks that breaks us the blood then flows in the trench and in the blood covenant if you remember in Genesis chapter 15. Go home and read this. It says that Abram fell asleep. Fell into a deep sleep it says. Some people say that God put him there. Um, I don't see that directly in scripture. I'm okay with it. But I don't see it directly in scripture. God, But Abram fell into a deep sleep. So God then spoke his promises into Abraham. You have to realize Abraham's asleep right now. It says he's in a deep sleep. And it's a little bit funny because he was uh, all these dead animals are sitting out in the sun. Abram shoes away some birds um, because they were coming down to eat on the blood covenant. Then he falls asleep at night. Anyone that that knows the critters come out at night to eat on these things. So uh, from beginning to end, Abram is dropping the ball. And what happens in a blood covenant... This isn't just God that came up with this. This was a known thing. This was a blood covenant. And people would do this. Men would do this. Kings would do this with other kingdoms. Tribes would do this with other tribes. And the two people in the covenant... i talked They have the two sets of animals, the cut up animals, and then a trench down the middle. The two people in that covenant would then walk into the blood trench... As to say, if I break, if either one of me break this covenant, or either one of us break this covenant, let what happened to these animals happen to us. And Abram fell asleep during that part of the blood covenant. So it says, a smoking fire pot and a torch went through that trench. That is a representation of God in 1,400 years before Jesus came. Jesus then walked through that same blood covenant because they knew that Abram couldn't keep that one. Abram could keep the one after he's saved to to become anointed, to, to walk in the presence of God, to have victory in his life and move on. And thank you, Miss Lucy. She's the one that could do it, okay? She's the one that could do it. God and Jesus walk through that blood covenant together because they knew Abraham couldn't do it. 1,400 years later, Jesus does the same blood covenant again. Jesus and God do it again. 1,400 years later, and the disciples fell asleep right before then. Well, I thank God for His grace. Thank you so much, God, for your grace. He allowed us to join him in that covenant. But man, we couldn't keep it, guys. We couldn't keep it. It was a graceful thing that he allowed Abraham to not walk through that trench because that would have been his salvation. God knew, i got to do this by myself, guys. And he did it again 1,400 years later. Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for your profoundness, Lord God. Thank you. Father, for your grace and, and what you did on the cross. Um, we do pray, Lord God, today that, that, that we feel comfortable. Allow us to get comfortable in going to the threshing floor or, Lord God, going under your knife. Father, take these things away. Lord God, we're sick of defeat. Lord God, we want victory. Lord God, we want to see. We want you to change our identity. We want you to change our name, Lord God. And, and everything that comes with us, we know you will walk us through the process. It may hurt for a little while, but Lord God, your victory will be on the other end, Lord God, of a life of anointing. Lord God, a life of, of power in your word. Lord, a life of joy in our salvation. Lord God, allow us to go under, under that knife and to the threshing floor with you, Father, and you do your work. We thank you in the name and by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I guess the, the next uh, service is at 11 o'clock. God bless you guys. I don't know if some of you came for the first sermon and then stayed for that. Either way, I love and, and pray for all of you guys. So praise God.